Hello, everybody. My name is Brittany Chalk, and you're listening to A Dancer's Guide. Welcome back to the Dancer's Guide podcast. In this episode, we'll be talking about performing at regional theaters, helping you decide if this is a path you'd like to explore, and if so, what auditions are like, what can be expected of you during a contract, and how to accumulate EMC points. Today, I am joined by a triple threat performer who has graced stages in over seven different regional theaters across the U.S. in productions such as A Chorus Line, Mamma Mia, and Hairspray. I'm pleased to introduce Anne-Marie Snyder. Hi, Anne-Marie. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Brittany. I'm honored to be a part of this, and I'm excited to be talking to you in a different country. I, like, almost expected you to have an accent. (laughs) (laughs) No, not quite. I sometimes dive into it, but (laughs) no, thank you so much for being here. Why don't you start off by introducing yourself a little bit? All right. Uh, I grew up in Charleston, West Virginia, And I've lived in New York City on and off for the past 10 years, which is crazy to think. Uh, I now live with my fiancé, who I met doing the national tour of The Producers. And I found out that I booked The Producers while I was doing a chorus line with you in Florida. Yeah. Amazing. I didn't actually... Did I know that? Did we celebrate that? I don't know. I was kind of like unsure about it at the time so I wasn't like hey everybody Mm, look at me so a little fun fact there yeah well why don't you go ahead and share your entire unique dance journey with all of us okay well I started dancing when I was four fun fact my very first dance teacher was Jennifer Garner huh because she is from my hometown amazing (laughs) yeah And then I joined a ballet company here when I was 12. So I started off doing all types of dance. And then when I was 12, I kind of just focused on ballet. So I continued performing and doing ballet. And then I ended up going to West Virginia University uh, for school because it was in state and I had a scholarship and it was free. Yeah. So, yay, no student loans. (laughs) And I studied exercise physiology and aquatic therapy. And I did get a minor in theater and dance. And I danced with two local studios in the area, not with the school, just with these studios, and continued to come home and perform with the ballet company. And Then I didn't start doing musical theater until I was a junior in college. So I started doing community theater when I would be home um, in the summer. And then I went to the Broadway Theater Project and studied with a lot of great performers there. After college, I went to SETC, or the Southeastern Theater Conference, Mm -hmm. uh, as a dancer only because that was the only way I could go because I wasn't connected to any school and didn't do any of the prereqs or anything to join the pre-screenings. Right. So I sent a video of me dancing and got to go as a dancer only. And I got a job at the Lost Colony. And then I went again the next year and got a job as an apprentice at Flat Rock Playhouse. And there I met someone who needed a sublet in New York. So... After my summer at Flat Rock, I moved to New York 
And I was there for exactly one month, and I started rehearsals for the national tour of The Wizard of Oz. So I did that tour and then went back to Flat Rock that summer and then went back on tour with The Wizard of Oz. And I've just been touring and working at regional houses since then. I've worked a lot as a dance captain and swing. So that's kind of a different path that I didn't see myself going on. But it's nice to get to work with like the creatives a little more intently. Yeah. And uh, recently I was a production assistant for the step one dance company uh, for Holland America cruises. Mm -hmm. And I work for a dance competition and just continue to audition and take class and make it work. Yeah, absolutely. That's the life of a performer is just keep hustling until the <laughs> next never job. Ending. Of course. Yeah. Well, judging from what you've just said in your unique dance journey, which is incredible. So theater wasn't always the direction you thought your career would, would go in, really. No, it wasn't. I mean, I think I always knew, like deep down that I mm. wanted to do theater. But I was like, that's silly. I've never done it before. <laughs> Why would I think like, yeah, I can do that. Mm. Um, so I, I didn't get into it until later in life. And I focused on ballet a lot in my younger years. And I had a scholarship to go to Butler University in Indianapolis mm. for ballet. But my heart just wasn't in it. Like, I was good at ballet, but I didn't really want to dance professionally as a ballerina. And it was expensive <laughs> to go to this school. <laughs> and if I didn't go to school in state in West Virginia right away, I would lose my scholarship. Oh. So my parents sort of forced me <laughs> to go to West Virginia University, but I'm honestly grateful. Yeah. Because I don't have student debt like most people do. So I went to WVU and I studied exercise physiology and aquatic therapy because I was interested in being a physical therapist for dancers. Mm. But I really didn't enjoy school because it was a lot of hard science classes mm. and I wanted to be doing theater and that sort of thing. So yeah, yeah. when my four years of undergrad were up, I was like, there's no way I'm going to three more years of physical therapy school right now. I just want to get out and try to do what I want to do. So I came home and I did work in a gym as an exercise physiologist for a few years and hmm. did community theater to kind of feel more confident doing theater before I really started auditioning for places and moved to New York. Yeah, amazing. I mean, when I first started out, I had no idea what direction my career would go in. Mm -hmm. You know, I just kind of, I moved to New York and I said, all right, where is it going to take me? Um, yeah. I went to every audition I could. And I, I just wasn't, I didn't want to close any doors on myself. I wanted to be open to every opportunity. And that's, you know, led me to find different paths of, of theme parks and cruise ships and theater and all sorts. So I love that I 
kept that door open for myself and would encourage anyone listening to not give up on your dreams if it's not going exactly as planned. Um, If you are dead set on going musical theater and it's just not happening for you, there's other ways, there's other options to be a professional dancer. That's not the only path you have. And I love that you started out as a as a ballet dancer. I think that's such a fundamental part of dance that I'm sure you take into the rest of your career. Yeah. Um, that training is essential. <laughs> yeah, I'm very grateful for that training. Yeah. But yeah, absolutely. You just need to be open to things because you never know what <laughs> is going to no. come along or what you're going to do. So just be open to things like most auditions where I'm like nailed it (laughs) I'm I'm like cut immediately (laughs) I'm like this is the perfect show for me and then some that I'm like "Mm, I don't know about this I end up getting I know it's it's completely out of your control all you can do Mm -hmm. is is hone your talents to the best of your abilities go in show them what you have but other than that it's up to the casting team. It can be very frustrating. <laughs> oh, it's super frustrating. I mean, you get rejected, you know, every day and you have to deal with that. But yeah, take me through what a typical audition looks like for a regional theater production. Well, I typically go to dance calls. So it could be an open call where anyone can come, mm-hmm. a non-union call, or if it's an equity chorus call, you can still go non-union and if they have time or they're willing, they will see you after they've seen all of the equity members. Right. So sometimes they'll do a type where they could just take your headshot and your resume. And if they don't think you fit the project, you don't even get to audition. Yeah. Or sometimes they'll do a quick type where you do like ballet across the floor or just a time step and a double pirouette and if you weren't on your leg that day it's thank you next Uh, or oftentimes if they have time and are willing you get to learn a combination so you do a combination sometimes they'll make a cut after that and the people that remain will could learn another combination and then they might make a cut after that And the people that remain, they might have you sing 16 bars of a song in the style of the show. And then from there, they might have callbacks later in the week. So they will let you know, usually after you're finished singing, they'll be like, that's great. Can you come back on Thursday at 2? And if they ask you that, sometimes you will dance again. It varies dependent on the show, but mm-hmm. you might do the same combination. They just want to remember who you were and how you did. Right. They might give you sides to read, so like a scene from the show to see if maybe you could cover a principal role if they need an un- understudy. And they might give you music from the show just to be like, okay, you can sing this part of the show. Right. And then after that, it's just a lot of waiting and seeing how it goes. Yeah, I know that's the tough part. And definitely for musical theater, you're going to want to bring all your shoes because that callback could be a tap combination. Yeah. You, know, you have to be prepared uh, for all styles, I think, with musical theater. Absolutely. I mean, it's definitely good to research 
any show that you're going in for. Yes. So you know what's appropriate to sing, what's appropriate to wear. Is it a tap show? Then, yeah, you need your tap shoes. Is there one tap number in there? You need your tap shoes. Is it hip-hop? You're not going to want to be doing it in your heels, probably. Right, exactly. No, that was always a good thing. You've got to know the style of the show, which I think is hard for you know, when new shows come out. Yeah. Because you don't exactly know what the style is going to be. Mm. So what do I wear? What's a, you know, a neutral outfit, a neutral hairstyle, um, a neutral song, you know, is it going to be pop? You can get the the role breakdown, but it's hard unless it's like already established. It is. And sometimes you can be like, oh, I know this show. This is what I'll wear. And they're like, we're doing a totally new take on this show. (laughs) It's super modern version of Oklahoma. (laughs) Uh But it's helpful to like look up the choreographer. Mm. So maybe you can know what they've done previously. What their style is. Or if you know the director. So that's helpful. Yeah, no, that's a good tip. Amazing. How long would someone expect to wait at an audition? You said, obviously, for an equity call, say, you know, you have to wait if you're non-equity until all the equity girls or boys go. How long could that be? Hours, right? Yeah, it could be hours. And you could wait for hours. And they could then say, sorry, we really tried but we have run out of time and we can't see you. That's always the worst. But, I mean, it's a gamble because you never know. They could see you. And then sometimes you'll wait and wait and they're like, we can only take the first 20 people on this list. Right. And that's that's a good thing of getting there early is sometimes they do just take, like, the first few people on the non-ec list or, like, throw them into the equity call at the end. But, again, it's like getting there at seven o'clock in the morning I know and I have never been one that can do that it's not in my body and I'm not going to do well if I get up super early like that to Mm, do it so it I just chalk it up like if I have to be here at 5 a.m to book this job it's not my job (laughs) and there'll be another one (laughs) yeah fair enough (laughs) which that's not always the best way to be like yeah but you have to value your time yeah exactly definitely I used to use like the buddy system Mm. I had a kind of a group of girls that I would go to auditions with all the time and you know whoever kind of woke up first and got to the audition first would sign all our names in and then we'd eventually get there yeah you know vice versa whoever got there first sort of thing which was nice because mm-hmm. I felt like, okay, I had like three or four girls that I knew could sign me in. Yeah. Um, if I was running late or like the train was late or, you know, I was stuck in traffic or whatever. Yeah. Um, so that was always a nice thing. What advice would you have for dancers that are nervous about the singing portion of musical theater? Because I know that was like my biggest fear and hurdle as a dancer was to start to sing in front of people. Oh, yeah, I feel that too. I'm sure every dancer is that way. It's, it sucks. But like the best way to get over it is just to do it often, so that you get more comfortable with it. Mm -hmm. So like, go to a singer's call occasionally, just to practice it. Right. If you feel like you have a song that you could sing for this, you can also go to the dancer call, but it's just good to practice. I take voice lessons 
I know it's expensive and, but if you can scrounge up money for like once a month or something, just so you're comfortable with the songs that you're singing and you have practice singing in front of someone else to kind of get over those jitters and just sing as much as you can. I always record my voice lessons so then I have it. And then when I'm at home, I sing with it just to practice. And it's a muscle like everything else. So just like you have to strengthen your muscles as a dancer, you have to strengthen your muscles as a singer. Right. I definitely lacked confidence in my singing. And I think that was the biggest barrier for me to try to burst through. Mm -hmm. Not sure if I ever really did. And actually, so our director at the show Palace, Jill Godfrey, was very much on my side and, and very supportive with my singing. And to have someone support you like that was such a blessing for me and to have a mentor, you know, cheering you on saying you can do this. I know your strengths lie in dance, but you can sing, you can act, you know, just giving you tips along the way was such a helpful thing that she did for me that I felt like, yeah, I can do this. Um, so just to have that little boost was was great. Yeah, and you nailed it. Oh, you were thank amazing, you. Corzine, and funny. <laughs> but that's just it, like just being confident and relaxed. And that will only come from practice and yeah. doing it. Like you're never comfortable and confident the first time you do anything, so or even the second, third, so. No. Can you explain how dancers should enter the room when they're going to sing? What should they tell the accompanist? Um, How should they stand in the middle of the room? Where should they look? (laughs) Things like that. Yeah. Uh, Here's hoping. I know. (laughs) But (laughs) I mean, just like we said, come into the room confidently, because that might be the first time someone has seen you that day Mm -hmm. if they weren't in like the dance call, if it's a callback. So just be confident and be yourself. Don't be super phony and they'll know that. Yeah. And so just greet the people behind the table when you first come in and then go over to the piano, give your book to the pianist and show them what you're going to sing. Give them the tempo, like show them exactly where to start and end. Tell them anything specific you need, might need to tell them. Give them the tempo so you're not stuck singing something way too slow or too fast. And I mean, take your time because it's your time and you don't get much of it in the room when you're singing. So just take a deep breath, nod to the pianist when you're ready to go because typically they wait for you. And just go in the center of the room and try to have fun if you can. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, no, that's great advice, taking your time. And don't look directly at the people behind the table when you're singing because yeah. <laughs> that kind of like freaks them out. Yeah. So I would typically look at something just above their head. Right. That's a little awkward, just singing straight yeah. into someone's <laughs> eyes, <laughs> straight into their soul. Once you do it, you're stuck and then it's yeah. like, oh, no. <laughs> So you've managed now, you've gotten through the audition, right? You've managed to book the show. You got the call, book the show. From day one to opening night, how long is a normal rehearsal process? Well, rehearsal in a studio is typically two weeks. Mm -hmm. It can vary, but I think two weeks is pretty usual. Yeah. And then you'll move into the theater and 
then you have tech rehearsals and possibly previews mm. for a, about another week, which again, it can be longer, shorter, but a week is pretty typical. What happens during these rehearsal periods? When you're in the studio, you typically learn music first. Sometimes you'll have a read through of the script, which is usually my favorite part, but sometimes they cut it if there's not enough time. (laughs) And then you start learning music and then you start learning the dances and the main characters work with the director and work on scene work while the dancers are working on choreography. And then you just kind of marry it all together. Yeah. And go back and work on anything that, because sometimes you learn a song and then put it with a dance and all of the harmonies are gone. So you have to go back and relearn what you learned in the music rehearsal. Yeah, it's fun trying to mesh it all together. What's my singing part and how to where's my foot on this? And yeah. Oh yeah. It can fall apart quickly. Oh when you're yeah. Like, oh, I've got it. Definitely. And it does come together quite quickly the whole thing. I mean, within 2-3 weeks there's a show where there wasn't um, before and it's part of the reason I think performers can literally do anything. I mean, the amount of information we have to learn and process and then perform to entertain hundreds and thousands of audience members is incredible. You know, you have to memorize your lines, you have to make sure you know what notes you're supposed to be singing, know all the choreography, remember all of your staging cuz that's, you know, you don't want to run into anyone on stage. <laughs> you have to get used to your costumes and all, you know, there might be technical malfunctions with your mic or something like that. And it's getting used to everything that happens on stage and what could go wrong, honestly. Just expert multitaskers. It's amazing how it all comes together. It is. There have been so many times in tech rehearsals where I have been watching just like, wow, this is a mess. And then somehow opening night, it's like a beautiful production. Yeah. And I think as performers, like, I know myself, I'm a perfectionist and I like if I mess up in rehearsal or something, I will go home and I will make sure I know what my choreography is, what my lines are, where I messed up. I'll give myself mental notes because I there's no way I'm going on stage not knowing what I'm supposed to do. And we need more performers like you, Brittany. (laughs) (laughs) Like that's just that wasn't an option for me ever. Yeah, which is good. I mean, there a lot of it is like it's a short amount of time to put something together. So a lot of it is working on your own at home, like listening to your recordings to make sure you know your harmonies, going over your choreography so you don't just forget it. Yeah. And yeah, it can be perfect in the studio. And then you go to the theater and add costumes and sets and lights and it can easily fall apart again for a little bit. But it eventually comes back together. Yeah, no, it does. And then, you know, once you kind of get into the rhythm of things, it's like, oh, how did I ever struggle with this to begin with? Yeah. It, it all becomes such, you know, second nature that, it, yeah, it's funny to look back at the beginning of it. Remember when that was so hard? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's second nature. Yeah, yeah. I felt that with costumes a lot, like throwing costumes into the mix, especially if you had a lot of costume changes is always like a stressful, mm. stressful day to really think. Like, because you do have time, 
but you don't think you have time when you do your first <laughs> run through. It can kind of psych you out a little bit. And then by the end, you're just like, I have 12 minutes left. <laughs> this is great. Yeah. It's like the more you panic, the more time it takes yeah. you to do no, it. No, exactly. It's so, it's so strange. Take some deep breaths. <laughs> <laughs> so regional theaters come in many forms. They can be dinner theaters or even outside venues. So could you describe the theaters you've worked at? You know, what were they like? Yeah, absolutely. They've all been very different. My first job was at the Lost Colony, which is a beautiful venue in the Outer Banks. Mm. And it is outside. The stage is all sand. So dancing outside in sand um, is a challenge. (laughs) So of course, there's only like, so much you can do in it. Yeah. But I mean, it was beautiful. It was also in the summer. So oh, that's very nice. hot. Yeah. <laughs> so that was a challenge. Um, when I worked at Flat Rock, they don't have a fly space. It's an old like barn, basically. Mm. So um, they have what's called a slip stage. So the stage is divided horizontally in thirds. So the front third of the stage slides back and forth and then the back middle part slides back and forth. So set changes happen in a sliding motion rather than an up and down motion. Oh, I see. Okay. (laughs) And it is done by machine, but things happen and occasionally (laughs) it could break. And if that happens and you're on it, you just have to jump off it and start pushing it on stage. Oh, wow. (laughs) So set changes were done off stage and put on one of the pieces of the stage while the other piece was on stage. That's the only theater that I've experienced like that. I'm sure there are others, but it was really cool. Yeah, very unique. At the Fulton, they have a turntable that they use, not all the time, but I did White Christmas there and we did use it. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's like a circle in the center that spins around. If anyone saw Hamilton, they have (laughs) (laughs) No, it can be used in really cool ways, the turntable. Yeah. And then there are dinner theaters where people can be eating while they're watching you. I don't know if it's a thing where you have to be done eating before you watch the show, but they're set up at tables and some of the tables are very close to the stage. So that <laughs> takes a little getting used to. Yeah. I just worked on a, a college campus. So you're in like a college's theater. More of like an auditorium sort of setup. Yeah, sort yeah. of. Yeah. So there are lots of different kinds of theaters and yeah, definitely keeps it interesting for sure. Yeah. You never know which one you're going to walk into. Yeah. They're not all I, like Broadway theaters of like rows and rows and rows of seats. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> I also worked in one that the dressing rooms, you had to go outside. Oh. Um, so the, the theater is here and then you have to go outside to get to your dressing room. Hmm. So if it was raining, they oh, had no. umbrellas. Oh, yeah, the weather. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. So uh, can theaters book you for more than one show in their season at a time? Yes. In fact, they love doing that because it saves them money on like housing because you can stay in this one room rather than you being in a room. And if there's a show overlap, having to have another 
room for someone coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, that's often done during a summer season where it's maybe two or three shows in a short amount of time. Right. Um, so they try to look for someone that can be in both or all of the shows. But it can happen in a regular season as well. It's pretty common in summer seasons. And especially, like, some theaters do shows in rep. So they're doing three shows simultaneously on different days. So they definitely want to have people that can do all of those shows rather than having three different casts at one time. So you can rehearse a show in the day and perform the other show in the evening. Mm. Well, that's good to know. Also walking into the audition knowing, okay, maybe it's for a season and I've got to be a bit more versatile than just walking in for, say, Chicago. Exactly. Um, I can't just come in with my (laughs) black fishnets and expect to also be in Hairspray. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, you can can always hype up what you're best suited for and then they can see like, oh, yeah, she can also do these other things. No, that makes sense. It's also nice for the performers to be able to be somewhere for longer than a month, um, have a long-term gig, I'm sure, have a bit of financial security uh, for a little bit as performers, you know, we're uh, always looking for the next paycheck. And, you know, you also get experience in a lot of different roles, which just enhances your resume quite quickly, I think. Absolutely, yeah, that's the best part. You can go from having no shows on your resume to one season Oh, I have three. Right. Yeah. No, that's a great way to build your resume up. So are you given housing and and transport when you go to these regional theaters? You typically are. um, Yeah. It's different everywhere. Transport is often a car that you share with other people, dependent on the size of the cast and if it's equity or non-equity, they provide a car, but... Each individual usually does not get a car. So there's a lot of carpooling. Yeah. (laughs) And some theaters don't provide housing. Some do, but if you have your own housing, it's a good bargaining tool. You're maybe more likely to get the job because it can save them money. And if you have your own vehicle and can transport yourself, then there's more room in the one car that they might have right, exactly. to share. And you, some theaters will also, if you have your own housing and transportation, offer you more money hmm. weekly. Since they're not paying to house you, they might, they can offer you housing or if you have your own, they can increase your salary. Oh, good to know. Not everywhere does that, but right. just know that that's a negotiation tool that you can use if you have it. Yeah, definitely. That's a great tip. How many shows would you normally perform in a week? It's typically eight shows a week. Okay. It does vary. Some smaller theaters maybe will do fewer shows, mm-hmm. maybe just like a Thursday through Sunday type situation. But right. Most houses are eight shows a week. Yeah, no, that's great. Because I know, obviously, the show palace did, like, the weekends yeah. sort of thing. Um, but I haven't worked at a, a theater that did every single day. So um, I was just wondering what a week in the life looked like. <laughs> yeah, so, and some houses, they like to have 
two days off. Like okay. a, a typical eight show week is you just have one day off and double up shows on say Wednesday and Saturday. Right. But like Flat Rock likes to have Monday and Tuesday off. So you double up shows one other time during the week, mm. which is kind of nice because then you have almost like a real weekend yeah. rather than just one day. Yeah. I mean, it's still it's still a job. Yeah, you know, you're exactly. You're still working hard. You don't have to be there all day, eight hours. But yeah, it's nice to have that time off mm-hmm. to recover. <laughs> <laughs> so I know you've performed both at regional theaters and on national tours. Can you highlight some of the differences between the two? Yeah. Well, tours are typically longer than uh, a regional theater contract. So you're doing it for six months to a year or longer, where a lot of regional contracts are a couple months. And touring, you don't stay in one place, obviously. Mm -hmm. You're touring around. So travel can be a little difficult and Mm. wary on your body. And you're sleeping in a different place most nights. So that takes some adjustments. And the venues, like we were just talking about all the different theaters. When you're touring, you're in a different theater all the time. And that means different sizes. So you often have to adjust dance spacing. uh, If a theater is smaller than what you were used to, which can prove to be challenging especially as the dance captain because that's on them to be like okay we have to adjust this here's how we're going to do it right in each city in each city yeah and I was also a swing on tours often which is a challenge you have to know I had to know all of the female ensembles tracks and do it at any given time But that also meant not performing in the show if someone wasn't out of the show, which can be a challenge if you really love performing. (laughs) And and also if you're in a show that has a lot of big sets and props and things, sometimes when you're in a smaller venue, they just can't accommodate the size of that set or they might not, the crew might not have had enough time that day to bring it all in. So then you have to adjust the show with maybe some of your set missing. Right, right. So it's very difficult at times, um, but always interesting. Uh, so that's that's like the main difference is everything can change at any moment. We're in a regional theater. It's pretty much the same the whole time you do the show. Yeah, once you kind of install it, yeah, that's what it there is. There it is. <laughs> and a tour... You can change all the time. Right, right. Oh, interesting. Well, I'd love to move into some of the shows you've done. What have been some of your most challenging roles and why? Well, being a swing dance captain is very challenging because you have to have so much in your brain and you don't get to do it every night. So you're, it's not in your body like it might be someone else and you're not on that stage with the set every night so when you're first thrown into it it's kind of like oh my gosh (laughs) this is it's literally like a deer in headlights at times but you just have to like remain calm and know that you probably won't have a perfect show but if you don't affect anyone else's show 
then you're doing a good job. Yeah. And hopefully your cast, you know, supports you through that as the swing. Exactly. And yeah, I think a year ago, I did Little Women. Mm. And I played Aunt March, which if you saw the movie, it was Meryl Streep. Yeah. Uh, it's typically an older role. I mm-hmm. was maybe a little younger to play it, but so that was a challenge to play an older, like high class woman. And then in the play or the musical, she also plays an Irish innkeeper. Oh. So I had to learn an Irish accent, right. which was challenging as well. And this was the first time I didn't dance in a show. <laughs> it was summer stock, so we did three shows in rep. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did Little Women and didn't dance at all, which was actually pretty fun, but also weird because I was like, well, that's what I do. So right. who am I now? <laughs> How do I like prove myself and be right. good? But the other shows I did, I was Tanya and Mamma Mia, which was super fun. Mm-hmm. And um, I played Tess and Crazy for You, which is super dancey. Yeah. So it was a fun season, but challenging because those three roles and shows are extremely different. Right, right. Made you step out of your comfort zone, though, a little bit. Yeah, Not absolutely. being able to move physically, but having to express yourself through the acting. Yeah. And as a dancer, like, we're often in the ensemble, right. maybe having a small role or covering a lead or something. Mm-hmm. But it was the first time I was really playing principal roles, which can be scary. Yeah, no, definitely. But also really fun. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I can imagine. Do you have a favorite show or role that you've played throughout your years? You know, my favorite show is probably A Chorus Line. And I think most dancers can resonate with it. I mean, most humans can resonate with it because <laughs> yeah, it yeah. just talks about life experiences. Yeah. But I played Sheila once, and that was really fun. Mm, she was a fun character. <laughs> She's just so sassy, but, yeah, you know, she has a lot of heart. Mm, definitely. And I mean, a chorus line. That ending, it's just so like raw and real and you're right, everyone can kind of relate to it, whether you're a performer or not. Yeah, and it's such a fun show because it it truly is an ensemble piece Mm. because you get to learn about everyone that is on the stage. They all have a number and like a singing part and a speaking part. So that's really cool. There's not people that just stand in the back and dance. They get up there and, as you know, have to sing yeah. whether you want to or not. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's it's a comedy. It's can make you cry. I mean, it's a classic for sure. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Gotta love it. <laughs> so let's talk about EMC points and working towards your equity card. You are a current equity member candidate and... You know, can you just explain a little bit more about how a dancer can start obtaining EMC points through working at participating theaters, which ultimately lead to you being eligible for your actor's equity association card? 
Um, and just I want to before we get started, um, want to say to the listeners that this does pertain to U.S. performers. I'm hoping to get some more information regarding other union affiliations in future episodes um, in different countries. So this one's just kind of for the U.S. <laughs> uh, yeah. So most union houses offer EMC points mm-hmm. and you get a point for every week of work. And that includes rehearsals. So if you were at a theater for eight weeks, you would get eight points. So it has to be a union house where they have union members, but they also have non-union members. Some houses have union members, but aren't union houses, so they don't give EMC points. And I think a, a theater has to be working for a year before they can give out EMC points because there was a new theater in like Long Island that opened up and it's a union house but they hadn't been open for a year so people couldn't get EMC points then. And the best way to go about it is just look up the theaters that do offer it and try to work at one of those theaters. I was an apprentice at Flat Rock, and that's where I got my first EMC point. So that's a great way to go about it, is maybe be an apprentice or an internship at one of these theaters, just to start getting your points and building that up. And it takes 25 points now to be able to join the union. It used to be 50, but they recently reduced it. And... Even if you have acquired 25 points, you don't have to join right away. You can hold off on it if you aren't quite ready. And I'll put a link in the show notes to look up participating theaters so people can check out which theaters can give you the points. So with equity, what are the perks of joining? Why wouldn't you want to? What would be reasoning as to maybe why you wouldn't want to join right after getting 25 points? Yeah, this is something I struggle with a lot. Um, Mm. I definitely do want to be in the union because, I mean, you're taken care of. You're protected by the union. You can get health insurance if you work enough weeks, which is always a catch. Like, you only get insurance if you're working. Mm -hmm. The salary is better. You're just more taken care of and protected. And the Broadway shows and all of these great productions are union productions. So it's ultimately something you would want to work towards. However, it limits what you can do. So if you're in the union, you can't do non-union work. Right. A lot of tours now are going non-union and you couldn't do them if you're in the union, there still are union tours, but, and you can work in a union house if you're non-union. Often they only have so many union contracts and those are going to go typically to your leads. So if you're a dancer and you just love dancing in an ensemble, it's beneficial to stay non-union for a while, at least to build your resume up, so you can work at these great union houses and have these great theaters on your resume and 
maybe work with wonderful choreographers that could help you along the way. So it's definitely a great way to start and eventually work towards being in the union, but I I would wait until you have a, a good resume and feel confident that you've done your work non-union and the next step is just to go union. Right, right. It's definitely a personal choice. Yeah, and some people are just like, you know what? I just love working all the time. I don't care what theater it's at. I just want to keep working and it's probably best to remain non-union then. Yeah, no, makes sense. Yeah, unless, you know, you're constantly booking Broadway shows as a dancer. I'm not, Mm -hmm. you know, there might not be a strong argument as to why you would want to join straight away. Yeah, and some people come out of college and are like, I have to join the union immediately, and it works well for them. But, I mean, everyone's different. I I can't say one thing to do that would work for everyone. But you just have to kind of figure it out. Yeah, just giving people options. What advice would you have for someone that is looking to pursue a career in musical theater um, and specifically wanting to perform at different regional theaters? Well, I would say to look into theaters that have apprenticeships or intern programs, especially if this is a dancer who maybe hasn't done theater before, because I mean, I won't lie, it's really hard work with little or no pay, (laughs) but you work in all aspects of the theater. You have to do crew work. So you might have to help build sets or paint the sets or make the costumes. And it just gives you a better appreciation and knowledge of what all goes in to a production, which is really important for anyone in the business. And then you'll usually get to work at a great maybe union house and work with veteran performers and directors and choreographers. And it's just a great way to get started. And then once you have that on your resume, you start to know people and know things and you can just go in and audition for regional theaters. And it's also helpful to maybe look up who is choreographing at these theaters. And if they teach in the city or somewhere, maybe take their class. So you they'll recognize your face or you'll know their style a little bit better. So you have a little bit of an in when you go in to audition. Yeah, that makes sense. It's, you know, with the apprenticeships or internships, it's just establishing connections with people in theater. Um, It's just a foot in the door sort of thing. And that can open up so many other doors uh, that you might not of if you didn't, you know, try to take that path. Um, And I think it's also fantastic to, you know, look up the participating theaters for EMC points and look up if they have apprenticeship programs, because I think a lot of theaters do have these programs, no? Yeah, I think so. And all it takes is one EMC point to be able to go to an EPA and possibly get seen before someone that is non-union. Right. EMC points only work for EPAs. They don't work for chorus calls, which is unfortunate if you're a dancer and (laughs) often go to chorus calls. But just having that on your resume looks good. No, definitely. Just an 
added bonus when casting directors pull up your resume, for sure. Well, can you share some of your plans for the future? Oh, Brittany, who has (laughs) plans for the future right now? Um, That's true. That's true. Everything's sort of up in the air. Um, My fiance and I actually moved out of our apartment in New York. Uh, We lived with a wonderful roommate, and our lease was up in September, so we were planning on getting our own place anyway. But then all of this happened, so Mm -hmm. we just decided to move out until we have work and auditions again in New York. So just trying to save money. Uh, We actually, my fiance works for Chevrolet, and we got a job in Michigan working for Chevrolet. It's, they're doing like, like a virtual, you can FaceTime and we would be product specialists showing them through a vehicle that they might be interested in. Hmm. So there's no like physical contact with someone. And there's also a lot of going to be a lot of on camera work, which will be neat to learn and like get more comfortable behind the camera. So it's sort of working towards theater. Um, So yeah, in about two weeks, we're going to Michigan for six months. It does. It's not like forever. We're just trying to save a lot of money so we can eventually go back to New York because we do want to and hopefully be able to buy a place somewhere and have an asset. And then Maybe getting married sometime. You know, <laughs> that'd be nice, yeah. <laughs> kind of hard to plan that right now, yeah. not knowing what the future's really going to hold. But yeah. those are tentative plans. Tentative plans. That's amazing that you've been able to find work. And, you know, a lot of performers are out of jobs right now. And uh, my heart goes out to everyone who is struggling to find employment. And I think it's great that you've been able to utilize your performance career to your advantage yeah I mean we are very grateful of course it's not ideally what we want to be doing but when most people have nothing going on we're grateful to have it yeah definitely well we've covered so much in this episode would you mind sharing some of your details with listeners so that they can check out all of the amazing things that you're going to be up to. Sure. Uh, so I have a website. It's www.annemariesnyder.com. It's just my name.com. <laughs> and on Instagram, I'm Ann Marizzle. It's A-N-N-E-M-A-R-I-Z-Z-L-E. Good. I thought there was going to be like seven Z, 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 Z. Oh, I sh- should have done that. I wasn't cool <laughs> enough at the time. <laughs> Amazing. Well, it's been such a pleasure to have you on the Dancer's Guide podcast. Thank you so much for all your advice and tips. It's been wonderful to speak with you. It was so great talking to you and congrats on this podcast. It's really wonderful. I love what you're doing. And thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you so much. Stay tuned for the next episode featuring one performer's journey to and on Broadway. Make sure you like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram at A Dancer's Guide Official, and subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast app to be among the first to know about new episodes. 
On our website, adancersguide.com, you'll find additional resources and links to all the things mentioned in this episode. And as always, we love hearing from our listeners, so leave us a review, comment on our social media, or message us directly. If you couldn't tell, I obviously love talking about dance. I hope you all enjoyed this episode. Always remember, stay confident, be humble. Thanks for listening. Until next time.